Hello, everyone, and welcome to HR Works COVID-19 update. We really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to join us. I am the host of HR Works, Jim Davis, and the editor of the HR Daily Advisor. Today, we're going to explore a simple question. Can you mandate vaccinations at your workplace? You should also take a stab at whether you should or not, and what are some of the detailed considerations? We are pleased to have back with us today the illustrious Maggie Stell, partner at New Orleans location of Jones Walker. Maggie focuses her practice on cases brought under federal, state, and local employment laws, including Title VII of the Civil Rights Act, the Americans with Disabilities Act, and the Age Discrimination in Employment Act. She regularly offers wage and hour compliance advice and has represented employers in numerous Fair Labor Standards Act collective actions and state law wage and hour class actions. Thank you so much, Maggie, for taking the time to join us again today. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. So the question of the hour, um, we can just make all COVID-19 vaccines mandatory, right? So this was a, a much simpler question, I guess, about an hour ago. <laughs> and I spent the last 30 minutes reading through the, the EEOC's updated Q&A, which the, the updates are purely related to vaccinations. So this turned into a more timely episode than, than we expected. <laughs> um, but the, the short answer remains yes, but as you said a moment ago, A, do you want to? And then B, there are some caveats. Mm. Well, why don't we start with a yes? Okay, let's do it. Where do you want me to start? So you are indeed allowed to mandate vaccines? What, what gives up pe people that power? There's nothing out there that says that employees, employers can't require employees to be vaccinated, um, to return to the workplace or to be physically present in the workplace. But there are a couple of caveats to that, right? Like if somebody has um, a medical condition that makes them unable to take the vaccine or if they have a sincerely held religious belief um, that would prevent them from taking the vaccine. And again, those are just the two kind of legal issues that crop up. Um, there are a whole lot of obviously practical implications as well. Um, but so that's that's the the yes, but with the right couple of caveats there. In preparation of this, um, I did something I almost never do. I looked up the laws myself um, and was surprised to learn that you could mandate vaccines. It just seemed like one of those things that of course, you can't just make people get shots to go to work. Um, they always offered it at our location. I know other people do that as a, an option. But um, it makes you wonder how many places were actually forcing employees, I think, in the healthcare industry, probably, I imagine, to get Yeah, vaccines. so I think that the most common kind of mandated vaccinations, obviously, in, in past years, we've been dealing with primarily the flu vaccine. Right. Um, and I think the most common place where you see the, the mandatory vaccinations is certainly in the healthcare industry. And actually, I was, I was with my physical therapist this morning. I keep injuring myself. Um, no. And we started talking about this issue because I was preparing to, to talk with you today. And she said, hold on, wait a minute. Can we talk about this more? Can we mandate it? And we started talking about the differences, right? Between whether you are a company that might wanna consider mandating the vaccine, such as somebody in the healthcare industry or whether you wanna make it optional. Um, obviously on the mandate side, you're, you're dealing with things like workplace and community health, 
um, trying to reduce absences and, and increase productivity if people are healthier across the board, um, being able to stay open. And then, you know, the, the potential for if you were to get sued for, for um, exposing someone in the workplace, if, you're, if you are able to say, well, we required vaccinations, that could ultimately um, mm. have some impact, right, on, on your civil liability. And then on the other hand, if you go down the, the optional or even the strongly encouraged route, um, employees are probably going to like that better. Um, and it's probably going to cut down on the number of, uh, you know, it, it, things that you have to deal with internally, like the accommodation request. If it's just encouraged, mm -hmm. then if somebody declines to get a vaccination, then you don't have to go into necessarily why with them, which in turn can um, decrease the likelihood of any sort of discrimination claims or, or liability for, for such claims. Let's talk about that for a second. You know, um, as you mentioned, historically, this has always been a flu issue. Um, the, unfortunately, a lot of the coronavirus vaccine has become a political issue with opponents ending up heavily in the anti-vax movement, which uh, has been challenging for a lot of people. Um, and their, their rally cry has always been this religious exemption. Right. Uh, here in Connecticut, they were considering legislation for schools mandating, you know, uh, taking away that religious exemption uh, for for vaccines because the vaccination situation's gotten so serious and they're going to be the major, major. So, you know, let me say that a different way. They're going to be a major hurdle towards the, the goal of getting so many people vaccinated. What you're saying, it seems like what you're saying is that if someone says, no, I can't take the vaccine, you know, now you as an HR person have to get involved in their personal lives to, to a certain degree. Uh, yeah, you don't have to, you don't have to dig in, but if somebody says, okay, employer X, you are mandating that I get the COVID-19 vaccine, I can't you are putting then the um, the weight or the responsibility on the employer to ask the question of why. And there, there could be a couple of reasons, right? Um, setting aside the medical issue, since, since you brought up the, the religious side, it does still have to be a sincerely held religious belief. This doesn't include non-religious views, like those that are political or social or scientific. Mm -hmm. Um, so it does still have to be a sincerely held religious belief. If it's just, I don't want to, um, that isn't necessarily going to get them to the, to the exemption at the end of the day. But this all begs the question of, if you're going to mandate it, what are you going to do yeah. um, if somebody refuses to get the vaccine um, outside of the medical and and the religious context where there are those um, exemptions that require reasonable accommodation yeah and it's it's always interesting when you have words like sincerely held you know how are you going to prove how are you going to prove that can you even try and prove it to force them to get a vaccine i mean i am totally unfamiliar with what that would look like yeah so you you can ask for some documentation obviously um exactly what you just said which is it's different, right? If you're dealing with the religious accommodation 
um, versus say the uh, medical on the disability side, because the documentation that goes along with um, proving a sincerely held religious belief is obviously going to be more flexible and and you can ask for documentation, but that, that kind of what they're required to bring would be a lot, a lot less to prove that. You mentioned that things got a lot more complicated an hour ago. They only got more complicated for me in that I had notes for this presentation that I was going to start by telling you this is a pretty short conversation um, because realistically, what you were seeing out there in terms of the guidance on this issue all went back to the the flu, right? Um, And most of what you're seeing out there from law firms and HR professional organizations and whatnot was A, each employer needs to evaluate the necessity, right, for their particular industry, their particular workplace, their particular workforce, whatever the case may be. And then B, if you were going to require it, you had to look at the two accommodations, right, Um, which is all still truth. And there are still a whole lot of kind of practical implications there, right? Who's going to pay for this? what about the time that's spent away from the workplace? Are you going to, does that need to be paid for? Um, and then realistically, what even happens in the workplace, right? The efficacy of the vaccine is 90%, best case scenario. At this point, it seems like that's kind of your, your bar. So right. say you have a thousand employees, everybody gets the vaccine, every single person. You still have a hundred people who... Um, you know, for all intents and purposes, can still um, transmit COVID-19. And we don't know how long it lasts and all of that, but I am, I am all for it. Let's, let's move forward with, with all of this. Um, but there's that piece, right? And then there's the, what if 10% of your workplace needs an accommodation? What are you going to do with these people? Um Are you all of a sudden going to throw all of your social distancing and PPE requirements out the window? I think a lot of people hear um, mandatory vaccine and it's like a a switch is going to flip and everything is back to normal. And unfortunately, that's just that's not necessarily how it's going to work because it's going to take a while for people to all be able to get the vaccine. And then it's not going to be effective for everyone. You're going to have people. who aren't able to get the vaccine. So there, there are a lot of moving parts here that, that people need to be thinking about, certainly. Um, but you started by asking why things got more complicated. And <laughs> if you've been keeping up with this, um, the EEOC has been updating its uh, what you should know about COVID-19 and the ADA, the Rehab Act, and other EEO laws periodically since March. Um, And the newest update was as of today, just over an hour ago, at least that's when I got the email from the the EEOC about it. Um, And their focus is more on, obviously they cover the accommodation issues, right? But they also talk about um, medical exam, whether it's a medical examination and the um, implication of certain pre-screening questions. Yeah, that's a good point. 
are flu vaccines considered medical examinations or medical procedures? No, and 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 the COVID nineteen vaccine itself would also not be a medical examination for purposes of the ADA because you're not seeking information um, mm. about impairments or current health status by giving the vaccine itself. But then they get into the issue of those pre-screening questions, which I haven't given a, a ton of thought to yet, right? Because I'm not a healthcare provider and I'm not the one physically giving the giving the vaccine, but I understand that they're you, there are kind of a series of questions that the CDC is telling healthcare providers to ask before administering a vaccine to make sure that there's not going to be any sort of medical reason that the person can't get it. Right. And those questions um, may be disability related inquiries and they, they could also implicate GINA if you're asking for genetic information or family history information. That is a tricky situation. How did people solve? I mean, you get asked questions before you get the flu vaccine. How did they solve it then? That is a great question. I think part of it goes, and I'm telling you, this is like, I'm going to need to draw a flow chart for this whole vaccine question, right? Because part of this is going to depend on who is actually administering the vaccine. Is the right. employer hiring somebody to come on site and give the vaccine? Or are we at the point now where I can go to the pharmacy down the street and get the vaccine there? Because the rules are gonna be different because if I go to the pharmacy down the street, even if my employer pays for it, they're not collecting, my employer isn't collecting any information from me. Right, right. And they'll have all the, all the regular HIPAA rules and stuff in place at that location to protect you. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. What do you think? What are you thinking as far as the advice you're giving your clients about should they make it mandatory or not? Ooh, um, <laughs> so I, I think you know it's 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 pretty clear, right? That it it really is going to be an employer by employer question. And I could have two different clients in the exact same industry um, who I gave totally different advice to because. One has a workplace of, you know, a hundred people. One has a workplace of a thousand people, but most of them work remotely. Right. Um, or there are only a couple of people in each office. It, it's going to require looking at your particular workforce, the amount of contact in the workforce, um, you know, how many people are actually going to be vaccinated um, when this is going to become kind of commonplace, I, I don't think there's a cut and dry answer, which is, um, you know, kind of a nightmare, unfortunately for employers. Um, but there are so many moving parts, you know, are you as the employer going to be the one to give it? Are you going to contract with somebody? Are you going to send people, you know, down the road to go get it somewhere else to where a lot of these questions aren't? at issue. If you are going to require it, who's going to deal with all of your accommodation requests? And then if somebody gets an accommodation, um, you know, what, what are you going to do with them? Where are they going to work? What are they going to do? Can they work remotely? Um, are you still going to require PPE in the workplace and social distancing for people who can't get the vaccine or until people are able to get the vaccine? that enough questions for you? <laughs> yeah. Um, as usual, nothing's ever easy or simple. Um, <laughs> it's, 
it's one of those things where it's like possibly moot for a while anyway, because so many people aren't going to get the have access to the vaccination for months and months and months. So it's at hard least, to say, right? I mean, they seem to be producing it really, really quickly. Um, I, I know certainly there are some healthcare providers that are already at the point where they are vaccinating, you know, entire workforces. Hmm. Um, really? And I guess once we get through them, then we're dealing with nursing homes. I live across the street from one. I'm wondering if I can just like slip in and, and <laughs> might need some makeup, but I bet you can make it happen. You could be an employee though. Yeah, that's, um, that's a good point. But you know, then you, then you get into the question too of, um, you know, if, if it's volunt even if it's voluntary, you still have to figure out what questions are you going to ask? If somebody doesn't want to ask the questions, what are you going to do? Or are you going to decline to administer? Um, can't retaliate against them if they, if they don't want to answer the questions. Um, yeah. And then if you're going to send people to a, another place, um, are you going to require proof of receipt of the, of the vaccine? That's a, yeah, that was going to be one of my questions. What would that even look like? I mean, a doctor's note, a, a, re a receipt from the pharmacy, you know, people could lie, say that they got it and didn't. That will be an, an easy route for people that are looking to avoid the vaccine. I'm sure um, there's, there will be, I'm sure, some type of documentation. Um, but at this point, to go back to what you said a second ago, we don't really know what that's going to look like because we don't really know what the process is going to be. So there, there are really a lot of unknowns for employers and certainly if they are considering mandating um, the vaccine, you know, if and when it, it becomes that widely available, they're able to do so. I'd, I'd certainly work with your employment council to kind of work through all of these issues because it's going to be a little stickier than um, yeah. just the can you require it, yes or no. <laughs> Well, we had the opportunity to have a 30 second podcast, but I guess once again, um, <laughs> had to be complicated. It's, I also envision some issues coming along where because it's been so political, um, people are pretty heated on both sides. Uh, you're probably gonna have people asking people if they got the vaccine or not in the, in the office, like just regular coworkers, not bosses and, and managers. And you'll probably see some level of maybe not illegal discrimination, but discrimination against people that choose not to get it or people that choose to get it, depending on what, what situation you're in. Yeah. It's like the scarlet letter all over again. Um, just to be 100% clear, there's no way that they can mandate employees that are working from home to get vaccines. Right. Or can they? Um, well, I mean, I, I don't think the analysis is necessarily different there. It's just why, who does that benefit? Um, and at the end of the day, you know, the, the whole purpose is, is there a threat to the workplace from people who aren't being vaccinated? And I don't know that there's a, a, a threat there. There's um, a threat of them getting sick and dying or not being able to work or spreading the disease around their family and having to take time to take care of take care of that. I know it's not as imminent as right. someone being in contact with other people in the workplace, but you could see some people jumping to the conclusion or just being, you know, a little bit self-righteous and being like, everyone should get vaccinated. Let's make sure we, we get them all one way or another. 
I think that's about it. Um, thank you again, Maggie, for taking the time to join us today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Listeners, please check back next week for the next episode of HR Works COVID-19 Update. You can always follow us on Twitter at HR Works Podcast. Thank you for listening. This is Jim Davis with HR Works.